What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Work Party, the podcast where we are throwing out the rule book and bringing you real talk and hot takes on what is happening in the working world right now, because life moves fast. If we've learned anything from the past few years, it's that the only constant is change, and we can't pretend everything is status quo. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and it's Hot Take Time, where we ask guests to let us in on a fresh POV that they feel super passionate about. From spicy money talk to unexpected relationship advice, love them or hate them, agree or disagree, these piping hot and sometimes controversial takes will get you thinking. So let's get into it. On today's episode, I'm joined by PR powerhouses Jesse Klein-Fafana and Lauren Kleinman. Jesse is the founder and CEO of LaRue PR, an award-winning agency dedicated to disrupting the media industry with a roster of best-in-class D2C and B2B clients. Lauren is the founder and CEO of Dream Day PR, a first-of-its-kind performance PR agency and co-founder of The Quality Edit, a curation of the internet's best brands. Both Jesse and Lauren have been ahead of the PR curve, whether it's staffing up their teams to be the first on the new PR strategies or being the one to coin said PR strategies. Jesse's get shit done attitude and Lauren's brand building prowess makes them the perfect female founders to chat with today about all things solopreneurship, controversial media coverage, and their hot take on why being liked by everyone is overrated. So welcome, Jesse and Lauren. Thank you. Yay. Thank you for having so us. So excited to have both it's of you really here. Exciting. Truly two powerhouses in the house. I'm so excited to dive in. But let's start with your hot take. So Jesse, tell us what your hot take is. The hot take is fuck being liked by everyone. Success requires a single mindedness that sometimes can make it a lonely road. Yes. Yeah. So obviously I love this hot take so much, obviously, because Jesse, you'd been a part of my entrepreneurial journey since the very early, early days when LaRue was doing Create and Cultivates PR. And I was, you know, just starting this company. You know, it, it was crazy. So we've kind of been in the trenches together. So I'm really excited to get into that. But can you share more about what this single minded mentality means to you? Yeah, I think if you're an entrepreneur, and you have a goal, the only way you can really achieve success is to approach it with like a single minded, almost manic dedication. And, you know, sometimes that that can alienate people. Mm. Obviously, you want to be guided by a moral compass, you know, in most of your decision making. But at some point where the rubber meets the road, you're forced to make choices and not everybody's going to like those choices. And, and as sort of the lead of a company, you know, there are times where not everyone's going to like you and you have to be OK with not being a pleaser and not being liked. And and for me personally, there that has happened and it still happens. And I, I have to have a moment sometimes and be like, well, 
you know, people I care about or was clo- were close to that that worked with me or still work with me, you know, decisions I've made for the good of the business have maybe made me not their favorite person at different times in my life. And that's kind of hard and sucks. This is so specific, I think, also to female founders, right? Because I struggled very much so with the boss, friend, face of the company trifecta, I guess, you know, where I wanted obviously my team to like me, but I was a very single-minded, obsessive, manic CEO. And I know that it definitely not everyone liked me, trust me. But I I struggled with that. Like, so how did you get over or Lauren, tell, tell me about your experience of how do you get over the not being liked or do you not get over it? I feel like also as women, a lot of us tend to be people pleasers, but I feel like I was really lucky to learn from two amazing CEOs before I had the experience of starting my own business. I was formerly at Ritual, where I was founding team and VP of marketing. And I think what's really interesting about both of my prior experiences is the CEOs had this laser vision and they were relentlessly focused on that one vision. And in both companies, that was crystallized from literally day one. And it was, you know, told to you over and over again and reinforced through the culture and really like lived those values. Scopely, the company I was at um, before Ritual, just sold this year for five billion. Walter Driver is like the most relentless CEO that I know. And I think in just both of those companies, the actual like vision that was crystallized was the same on day one as it was on year 10. And even though there were iterations and turns in the road, like as a founder, sometimes you just have that insight, that crystal vision, and you just have to run with it kind of wherever it it takes you. So so it's interesting because you've been on both sides, right? So you've seen the relentless CEO. Now you might be that relentless (laughs) CEO. So what's the what kind of goes through your mind in that way? Yeah, I think just leading with empathy first. I I think I'm a pretty empathetic CEO. And I think also, you know, Walter and Kat both had those attributes as well. Um, so I think a lot of kind of the way I lead is just by seeing the ways that they led to and were able to build a really amazing culture and, you know, have incredible glass door reviews and win culture awards and things like that. And I feel like You know, I don't want to attribute everything to them, but learning from them, I think, has really, you know, contributed to kind of the way I lead and try to lead with empathy, let people know that there's, you know, reasons for certain decisions, let people in with me and kind of that journey. We give equity to a lot of our, you know, most senior employees. And I think there's like that buy in. And we were talking about this yesterday at lunch, just the feeling of trying to find people who our owners of the business and who are kind of along with you for the journey. And I think if it's that way versus like an employee mindset, you have people who kind of can better resonate or understand where you're coming from and just trying to do the best for the business. Yeah, absolutely. And Jesse, I know you've had some lifers at your company. Like you've had some people who've been with you forever, which is so hard to find. So so what the secret to keeping good employees long term? I mean, we have quite a few that have been with us six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 years, and they are all wonderful. And so I can't attribute it to us. But I think I know when I'm an asshole and like that's maybe that might help, you know, being aware of your own like flaws Mm. and, and being sort of, you know, able to recognize that. So I think that that maybe is that that helps me stay likable to them. But I mean, it is been it's a hard road because there are a lot of the long termers like there are two employees that that like we used to share one hotel room and like we have to share beds and like I knew everything about their life. And and as and I like that. 
But then as the business evolved Mm. and, you know, we had more team members, there was more of an arm's length put at that level of intimacy. And you have to be willing. I had to be like, well, I hope she still really likes me and I'm her friend. But it's all it was a, you know, protective mechanism. So, I mean, I think it's it is about creating a work environment where you're fostering growth and evolution. You're empowering your employees. You view them as more than than just employees, which I look at certainly the people that have been with me long term as like part of my like OG squad and whatever success I have, they're going to have too because I wouldn't wouldn't be there without them. So, yeah, but it's not always easy and it's not always fun to be like we used to be besties and now I think you Mm. think I'm, you know, a jerk or, you know, you have those moments and you have to reconcile them. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that also comes with growth of the business as well. Totally. I think when you're first starting out, it's like you and a few people and there's definitely I was like, we're sharing a hotel room in retrospect. I'm like, that was (laughs) so weird. Weird. (laughs) So weird. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I like have realized I've been to like many a spa visit with my employees, like in situations that like you're like naked or like, you know, and like, like crazy shit. That's like part of the small business life. And we're still a small business and there still is that intimacy. But people that are kind of bought in for the ride at the beginning have a different experience than, yeah. than well, the newer hires. You're a different leader at that point. You don't totally. have the experience. You don't have, you know, the the grit it, that you will uh, you know have developed over the years, which makes you a little, you know, more cautious and 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 things like that. Completely. So both of you are solo founders of your business. So talk to me about how you cope with the good days, the bad days. You know, I think that was something that I, you know, I had partners obviously with Create and Cultivate, so I could lean on them, but they weren't in the day to day with me. So obviously they would help me, but like there wasn't that person that I could look over and say, oh my God, today's the worst. And what am I going to do? So how do you guys handle those low lows? Yeah, I'll start with saying at the quality that I actually have two co-founders, one of which I worked with at Ritual. So we go back like eight years. We have an incredible partnership where we just balance each other out. We do, you know, have disagreements, but we're both super respectful with the way that we argue. Luckily, we learned pretty early on, even going back to Ritual days, that we disagree respectfully. I think that's like one of the first things that you need to find out if you're going to have a co-founder, how you argue and kind of how you obviously work together. But at Dream Day, yes, I'm, you know, a solo founder. I think I will say I was lucky enough after a year of working on my own, I was like, I need someone that has like serious PR jobs. I don't know what I am doing. I'm like managed agencies before, but I didn't know the first thing about really PR individually. So I hired kind of someone who had been in the PR industry for 15 years, been a publicist. She became our VP and was kind of our first senior hire. She's been with me ever since. And I do think you know, part of it is just surrounding yourself with senior people that you can rely on and and trust. On the same hand, I feel like the buck does stop at you at the end of the day. Like Mm -hmm. my agency before it was called Dream Day was called Lauren Kleinman LLC. And someone pointed out to me, you should call it your first name. That's literally the reason you set up an LLC is to call (laughs) it something else. If anything happens, it's not your name. But I do think I've matured with the business and kind of grown up with the business Mm -hmm. as kind of a younger-ish founder. And in the beginning, I would get really stressed out about like any client fire, any client issue. And I think now it's made me a lot more resilient. It's made me not take a lot of kind of client issues as as personally. And I still do have times that are, you know, really hard. But I think having that support system is really important. And just understanding, like, if you sign up to create an agency, like, it's not easy. It's Mm -mm. not going to be easy. There's always going to be a fire. There's always going to be a challenge. And, you know, things can feel perfect for a week. And then you got something else that you have to deal with or some other hire you have to make. 
This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. In this fast-paced world, we often need a reminder that taking care of yourself is taking care of your business. Whether you're dealing with personal or professional challenges, talking to a professional can help you mitigate tough situations, manage stress, and feel empowered to make decisions and find solutions. If you're looking for a pathway forward, give therapy a try with BetterHelp. As the world's largest online therapy service, BetterHelp has a network of nearly 33,000 licensed therapists ready to offer guidance and support. The company's mission is to make professional therapy accessible, affordable, and convenient. So anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime and anywhere. Here's how it works. Answer a few questions online and based on your needs and preferences, BetterHelp will match you with the best therapist for you. The vast therapy network includes vetted and experienced psychologists, marriage and family therapists, clinical social workers, and board-licensed professional counselors. Connect with your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's through text, chat, phone, or video. You can message your therapist at any time, from anywhere, or schedule live sessions at your convenience. If at any point you want to switch therapists, you can do so at no additional charge. Therapy can equip you with the tools and guidance you need to unlock your potential and be the best version of yourself. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash party today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash party. Hey, Bestie, I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan. We are the hosts of Creeps and Crimes podcast. Every Thursday, Morgan takes us on a deep dive into a paranormal case or a conspiracy theory. And Taylor will bring you a detailed and accurate reporting on a true crime case. Since we launched in 2020, we have never missed a Thursday. With over 160 episodes ready for you to binge, you will never run out of cases. And you can follow along on Instagram at Creeps and Crimes podcast. Whether you're in the car or enjoying a glass of wine, tune in every Thursday to Creeps and Crimes. So for background for the audience, how old were you guys when you started your company and how old is your company now? I am so old. So my company is 17 years old. Wow. I started it when I was pregnant with my first daughter who's turning, who is 17, turning 18 and going off to college. And what was the other question? I'm, I'm 47. And how, that- how old when you started it? So 17 years right, ago, 30? Whatever that math is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 30. yeah 30, 30. Yeah. Publicist, not mathematician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously. There we go, obviously. 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was 29 when I started Dream Days. So that was four years ago. And then 30 when I started the Quality Edit three years ago. And was that ritual two years after, or sorry, one year after having my son. Maybe it was two years. But kind of, you know, at a certain point, realized I want to be home more. I want to spend more time face-to-face during the day with my kids. And made the leap to become an entrepreneur. Love it. Amazing. Because it's it's such a lifetime, truly, of like, you know, running a business. I mean, getting most businesses fail within the first two years. So the fact that you guys are so far along and obviously started your businesses really young, like, I just think that's so commendable to like, obviously hear these types of stories. Okay. So we're talking about being disliked, obviously, as a boss. Not great, but it has to happen. But I want to get into the PR side of this as well, because I feel like, well, especially when we were working together, Jesse, but PR was all about getting a founder or brand liked by everyone. Like that was the press you were going for. And now the vibe is a little bit of like more newsworthy, controversial, like kind of like being middle of the road doesn't really get you press anymore. So what's your POV on like the new era of getting press as a brand or founder? So, you know, what I can say is every agency wants to avoid crisis PR for sure. But but shit happens and sometimes you're thrown into the mix. So 
outside of things that are going to set you up for chaos, I think leaning in to an opinion or a point of view, as long as it's sort of on the right side of personal politics, maybe for me is, is what I use to sort of mitigate more than anything is, is, you know, drives coverage. It's taking a position. It's a way to get visibility and it, it has to be in a crowded space. It has to be part of the strategy. I think the media landscape has changed so much over the past, I don't know, 10 years. And Lauren and I are both sort of focused on the sort of affiliate marketing performance PR side of things, which is very product centric. But you still end up having to do kind of thought leader and founder press. And oftentimes there are things that you're taking a position on. So I think an opinion's good if it's if it's sincere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Lauren, can you give us some, you know, 101 on P- performance marketing, PR, affiliate? Because some people are so deep in this and they're like, yeah, obviously we're doing that. And then I talk to some people and they're like, wait, I'm so confused. The PR does the affiliate? What's happening? Like people so, don't understand it. Yeah. Before, actually, like one of the way that ways that Lauren and, and it was one of your questions before, like, how how do you deal with being leading a company? And you mentioned Jamie and I have Emily and Jackie on my team who are great. But Lauren has been Lauren and I have forged an amazing relationship. And it really was because I had my agency for so long and was trying to start this pivot in to go from PR to sort of this affiliate marketing mm-hmm. space. And I hadn't really met anyone else who was doing that. And then lo and behold, Lauren crosses my path. Not only was she doing it, but she was sort of um, the the trailblazer leading the space. And we just we just sort of came together. She was the first person I heard say, performance PR. She was the first person that sort of quantified the relationship between affiliate marketing and PR. And so I got really lucky. And with this relationship, you would think we're two agencies that there's sort of, there is a way to be competitive, but we're not. It's a sisterhood. And and she's been a real resource for me to be like, this is happening to me. Is this happening to you? Or how do you do this? And, And it's made a huge difference. So and she also is like a wealth of I come from a traditional PR background. You said earlier that's not your forte, but this performance marketing piece, the affiliate marketing is I feel like where you're like a really a savant. <laughs> right. I, I love that. Like, oh and, but it's so great for me because I can be like, I don't know about this. Yeah. Do, you know, and it makes it's it's so nice to have someone that's that's an ally and that can relate. So She's the perfect person to give you the 411 on this, but I just wanted to say I, that. Prior. I love what you said about the sisterhood because obviously I feel the exact same about you. And I came home to my husband last night. And I was like, oh, it's just like so nice to just talk to another agency founder that really gets everything yeah. that you're going through. We have all very similar like challenges in both of our businesses. We had lunch, like I said yesterday, and I felt like we could be talking there for probably ever for 10 hours. Yeah, it's so <laughs> um, nice. Equally lean on you, Jesse, and your wealth of knowledge as well. So, yeah, just dating back to kind of my time at Ritual, I was working with all of the best traditional PR agencies. A lot of them were like incredible at their job, but many times I felt like they were kind of getting us half of the way there and that they get the press, but they didn't really have the insight and understanding of, okay, once you get that press, what happens? How does it impact the bottom line for the business? How can you use that insight to actually inform the the actual editors that you're pitching or the publishers that are resonating from a performance perspective? And so kind of I I started like feeling that. And then at the same time, I was hiring, trying to hire an affiliate agency. But Ritual is like extremely protective with its brand. We didn't this was, you know, back in the time where you wouldn't have any discount or any sort of code that anyone could use. So very protective with the brand. And I felt like all the affiliate agencies that I was vetting 
had a very old school mentality and almost like affiliate marketing deserved its bad rap as I really like dug in. I felt like they all were had very cookie cutter approaches to like deal sites and loyalty sites. But what I had been doing at Ritual was building relationships with really every major top tier publisher from an affiliate perspective and forging like really innovative partnerships on behalf of Ritual. So I knew basically in parallel that publishing was evolving in that at the time it was like when all the major now there's more BuzzFeed layoffs, but all the major like traditional editorial BuzzFeed layoffs were going on. And you were starting to see that even like, you know, seven, seven, eight years ago. And I saw like print was dying. And basically the main way that publishers were making money was through commerce revenue. Yeah. And so I was like, well, how can we like pull all of this together? I didn't, when I had left Ritual, I didn't seek out to, you know, try to trailblaze this like performance PR idea. I was actually consulting on everything under marketing and growth for a year. And then I kind of had this light bulb go off. And I also got feedback just from clients that I was consulting for that were like, well, how did you do like this BuzzFeed partnership? And how did you do this? And it kind of just coalesced into this idea around performance PR and around how can we you know, look at a piece of press or, or how can we look at how publishers performed over time and kind of use those insights to inform our pitches, to inform what we should be focusing on um, and so now kind of with Dream Day, um, we're doing just that, obviously, and we really focus on um, not only getting the best press, but kind of utilizing affiliate to help us drive the best press and vice versa, kind of using PR in an affiliate perspective. So making sure that those affiliate pitches are kind of more editorialized, making sure PR is actually like data driven. And I think it's really resonating. Like I know, you know, LaRue is doing the same thing. And, you know, both of us really believe that is the future of PR. And if your PR agency, you know, is not in the know on affiliate at a, at a very minimum, obviously both of our agencies do full funnel affiliate. So not only top tier content, but also like mid funnel and bottom of funnel, like a diversified approach on the record is what we believe really the only way for affiliate is. We, yeah, really believe that this is the future. And if agencies aren't moving there now, they're they're going to have kind of a rude awakening. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, this new approach really works because the publishers are getting paid as well, right? Yeah, like it's mutually beneficial. It's mutually beneficial, yeah. exactly. Now, I feel like even more and more, most publishers won't even talk to you if you're not doing yeah. affiliate stuff. So yeah. it's definitely, there's been a major shift, I feel like, in the media and PR landscape. And one thing I want to talk about is, obviously, we talked a little bit about controversial PR, crisis PR. You know, nowadays, I feel like the idea of the cancel culture, actually, like, it's like a 24-hour cycle, and then you're fine again, and then yeah. you're back to, like, Normal. you know, making a ton of money or right. getting more endorsement deals. But we all remember, you know, I think it was now a few years ago, but the girl boss takedown narrative with the viral stories of a lot of mismanagement, toxic cultures, copycat products, and so on and so forth. You know, whether it was The Wing or Thinks or, you know, Glossier. I mean, there was, I think it was, it was pretty much every single company. What was your feeling on that, you know, in terms of how that was sort of taken on by the media on, on the media side? And what do you think the ramifications were of that? I mean, personally, I became a smoker again during that. <laughs> I was like knee deep. I had, you know, cr we, we had crisis PR clients. We were trying to mitigate different situations. And I think, you know, it's hard because the the public facing stories really were divisive. Yeah. And you would read them and you'd really be like, fuck that brand or fuck her. Yeah. And like, that's a terrible person. 
But being someone who was on the other side and knew the subtleties of certain circumstances, not all of them, yeah, it would could periodically pull at your heartstrings. So, I mean, you, you would feel empathy, you know, to a certain extent for, for specific cases, not all of them. There yeah. were some real bad ones that needed to be take, taken down. And, and I, you know, what I think is I think that the accountability is great. And I heard I forgot who I think it was like David Letterman on Smart List. And he said it so well. He He basically said. He basically said of cancel of cancel culture that, you know, we haven't been doing things right. And, the, the, the you know, there may have been some extremes, but the, the world has held us accountable to, to, to be better, to do better. And so I think if if at times it was extreme, it's maybe pulled us to the middle to, to be mm-hmm. a little better. Yeah. I mean, I have two teenage daughters that are super woke and would be like <laughs> probably telling me I'm too like soft and, you know, want me to, you know, take a hard stance. But I. But I do think that that good came out of it. Yeah. And, and the world's needed needed to change. And, and the accountability that took place caused change. I was on, you know, I witnessed it. So I think that there there was some good. I mean, it was definitely. Hard. Yeah, I, I think there was definitely some good as well. I do also think it did. And from my experience of talking to other female founders, it did scare women from wanting to be CEOs and bosses. Like there was definitely a moment, I think, where I was talking to a lot of women who were like, I don't want to. I don't know if I want to do this or like, I don't know if I want to start a company, you know, those types of things as well, which may have kind of died down now. But for a female founder who's starting out today, what would your advice be for a PR strategy, you know, kind of starting out? Because I think I do think the era of like, you know, sadly, like front of, you know, cover of the magazine, female founder era is over in a lot of ways. So what would your angles be? I I mean, I think my thought is, is, is like with everything, every brand and every person comes with their with their hook that they're disrupting, that they're a thought leader, that they're changing the world. And if they are, then there's going to be merit and they're going to get that visibility. So I guess assess your own media viability, your objectively. And if you can't do it objectively, have someone else do it for you. But I do think there's a choice to be made, whether you're a public facing or a behind the scenes entre- female entrepreneur. And I've sort of dabbled a little bit in both. I'm happier behind the scenes, but there's a, a necessary evil or benefit that comes with being public facing for the yep. business. And you have to kind of you have to kind of play both sides. I don't know. Just trying. I think I think it's about being like who you are and sincere and finding those angles. Yeah, Yeah, I think being really authentic brand. We work with largely female founded brands. So like over depends on the the day, but over 65 percent of our clients are female founded around the same are BIPOC founded and around the same are also like sustainable. So we specifically, you know, try to work with brands like that. And I think that to Jesse's point, I think like being authentic, having an authentic point of view of why you started the company. I remember once talking to a swimwear founder. He was like a, you know, 40 year old dude. And I was like, oh, like, how did you end up in like women's, you know, swimwear? <laughs> and he's like, I honestly just saw a great business opportunity. And he was pitching us to try to do his PR. And I was like, I can't really work, I can't with, work that. with that. Yeah. yeah. So I think just having you know, very clear mission and vision and making sure that that is really like the heart and ethos of the business, because it is so competitive now that customers can like sniff out when it's just like you slap, you know, at at Ritual also, we had so many copycats that, I mean, use the same photographer, like tried to use the exact same, you know, pills or like whatever. And you just as a founder have to know that like those brands are not going to have longevity. There's no heart and soul to that brand. So I think that's the first thing. And then just also just making sure that you 
know your audience, that you have found customers, you, that you have product market fit. And then I think as publicists too, like what's the phrase? Like you can lead a horse to water, water but you can't, can't make horse it drink. Yeah. Like, you know, I think also just our job is to get the product in as many relevant people's hands as possible and have them try it. But I think it's just so competitive now. You have to have an amazing product. It's not just about branding. It's not just about marketing. Yeah. You have to have a product that will sell itself once it's in the right person's hands. Book your next getaway without ever losing sight of your wellness routine. At Weston Hotels, uncover signature offerings that help you move, sleep, and eat well, all while you're on the go. With more than 200 locations around the world, Weston is dedicated to elevating your well-being no matter where you are. Maintain your fitness routine and get moving at the Weston Workout Fitness Studio, filled with state-of-the-art equipment. You can even elevate your workout experience without stepping outside your hotel room. Simply request fitness and recovery gear to be delivered straight to your door on demand. For those of you who prefer outdoor workouts, don't miss the opportunity to join a group run led by Weston's Run Concierge, accompanied by an expert running guide. After your workout, recharge and eat well with Weston's Eat Well menu, designed with foods that make sure your nutritional needs are met. Weston chefs have crafted dishes with your well-being in mind, making it easy for you to continue nourishing your health no matter the destination. When relaxation calls, recharge your body and mind with restorative sleep in Weston's renowned heavenly bed and enhance your experience by unwinding with Weston's Sleep Well Lavender Balm, an aromatic blend of lavenders and chamomile oils. Weston Hotel and Resorts is part of Marriott Bonvoy, an extraordinary portfolio of hotel brands and award-winning ex-travel programs. At Weston, wellness is seamlessly a part of your stay, enabling you to move, eat, and sleep well. Visit Weston.com to book your stay today. So another difference from a few years ago is that there's so many, there was so many like untapped categories. Like when someone launched a beauty brand, you're like, wow, now you're like (laughs) 15 have launched today. So what's our strategy? And I think there's a lot of lines being blurred around like originals, copycats to your points. Like once someone has a little bit of success, a thousand other brands pop up around them. So I was on LinkedIn and I saw this post from the founder of Graz. I was Uh, hoping this didn't Oh no! Of olive oil, nothing. I mean, look, I know him and I, I know I know them very well. And I know the founder, Brightland, who is a client of yours very well. And I love both products, whatever. But I remember reading it and being like, what? Like, I couldn't believe he had posted it. But basically, he had posted something um, along the lines of like, Brightland had been copying their bottle shape or whatever, like the type of bottle they use, which is like their thing, which is a squirt bottle, right? Like a, you squirt the olive oil or whatever. That sounds gross when I say it. But... Um, but I just remember thinking, God, if I posted every single time someone copied Crate and Cultivate, I'd have oh, a, yeah. a book. I would, ha- and Jesse knows this better I think than we'd anyone. Be canceled, though, oh also. no, one hundred percent. I could yeah. never say that. No. I, could, I mean, Jesse wanted to, wanted me to for so many years, so many times, yeah. so many years. She's like, today's the day we're going to bring this story <laughs> out, and I was like, I can't do it. I feel like I'll end up being the bad guy, yeah. Yeah. even though it's I'm the one whose business yeah. is being like completely ripped Filfered. off or yeah. employees stolen or whatever. So, but I saw it. And I remember, yeah, I just was like, wow. But I had saw, saw it early on, like when it had first been posted. And I was like, that's kind of cr- that's a little like, yeah, be pissed, be annoyed. Like it is what it is. It's not like you invented, you know, whatever. The squeeze bottle has been around professionally for chefs for, Forever. you know, 20 years. So it's like saying that ritual, like, you know, invented vitamin. vitamin. Yeah. Like it's just you can't like trademark that. And I won't get into it, but I'll just say we chose to provide no comment to press. I think like the amount of press, I think it was in like Wall Street Journal, New York Times, like ad. Oh, it got picked the, up in all those. Spa- oh, it was. Oh, every, really? It was like nothing oh, I'd no. ever saw. NBC News. Like it was absolutely insane. Huh. Just the pickup. And I feel like 
you know, the media was like looking to kind of rev up, like get the flames going. And, you know, I I believe he shared an apology, but I think he also didn't consult with PR, I think was the understanding that I have. So I would say before you get mad at anyone, consult with your communications team. Yeah. But I think in that instance, you know, we, like I said, we chose to, you know, no comment, like take the high road. I think you know, you know, Ash, like, you know, she's an amazing person. She's an innovator in the space. She was the first direct to consumer olive oil brand, which is also pretty funny. I feel like she laid the path for all the other olive brand, olive oil brands to be successful. So, you know, and, and I think there's room for everyone to be successful. I think there's certain people that are going to like Graza and there's certain people that are going to like Brightland and like, we don't need to bring, you know, yeah. other, other oh, people absolutely. down. Oh, absolutely. Especially female founders. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I just, it's it's such a double-edged sword, I think, being a woman, being a founder, like the things you can do, the things you can't do, the things you can say, the things you can't say, where I always like like to think about, you know, for instance, we were talking about the girl boss takedown. A lot of that was warranted to your point, Jesse. But there wasn't that same effort of takedown with male no, CEOs. No, we it was uh, under the microscope. And I think it's because it was, it was still positioned as a novelty. Mm, I, I don't know. And, yeah. and, and that's unfortunate, too. A good rule of thumb, though, with with PR and with situations like this is is, you know, taking the high road and not not yeah. saying anything. I think you it's so hard, though, especially when you're emotionally invested yeah. for your client or for your brand. But more harm than good often comes out of taking a public stance to something that happens. I said something personally. That's neither here nor there, but I mean, I, like, this is just my personal opinion. I know I represent my client, but you know, yeah, I was well, I I think, I one of the first comment. To comment. No, I saw your comment. I thought it was really thoughtful and Thank and you. and on point. And I'm sure he saw that. And it's like take take the night, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. sleep yeah. on yeah. it. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure he was like, yeah, from that perspective, it makes sense. But I also understand being the emotional founder. That's like, oh no, it's you know. Hard. So it's it's hard either way. But yeah, to your point, like talk to your therapist, yeah. get a yeah. get a coach. Yeah. <laughs> So what are the three things you'd recommend that someone do to set themselves set themselves up and their brand for success when it comes to the PR and media landscape? I mean, I think if if you are in a position where you can bring on an agency that has expertise, do it. Not every, you know, emerging brand can, you know, and then you have to get creative and maybe it's a freelancer if you're smaller. I think if you're uh, product focused, if you're D2C, you have to have a mm. commerce content and affiliate marketing strategy. It's not something that you can not have anymore, especially if you want like viable PR. And I think having realistic expectations about what's possible in in the timeline in terms of of media coverage and visibility Mm -hmm. and how how long it takes to kind of reap the benefits from from the work being done as uh, you know, by your agency is is always helpful. I'm going to use maybe fly by Jing as an example, because I feel like a lot of times when clients come to us, they'll be like, oh, we want like press like fly by Jing. And I think over the years, she's done an amazing job creating a really unique product mm-hmm. um, in kind of a underserved kind of space, creating a really unique brand, you know, that even has her name on it, it has her heritage kind of interwoven in, in all of the messaging just feels like so authentic to her. And so I think like first and foremost, just having a really unique angle and mm. a really strong story to tell. I think if you don't have a story to tell, there's not to say that there's not opportunity and not to start a business, but it's going to be really hard yeah, to get PR sure. because it is so competitive. So I feel like they've been able to really cut through the noise with that. I know I mentioned before, like have a really strong product. I think that's really um, mm. important and feels obvious, but sometimes, you know, doesn't always work out that way. 
And then, like Jesse said, I think, you know, having realistic expectations, something also, I mean, if I were to if I were to start a company, like what would I create? Yeah, I was trying to think of creating something like that would resonate with press. One type of category that we look at is not only D2C first because of kind of the affiliate component, um, but also being giftable, oddly, mm. which there's just so many, op- if you're a giftable product, so many opportunities to be in gift guides, which are basically year round. There's a gift guide For every single month. <laughs> so if I was like a, you know, betting woman and trying to, you know, create a product for press, I would also try to make something that is giftable because there's just so many opportunities for inclusion and for the publishers to make money. And if they are making money, then they're probably going to pay more attention to your brand. And I think our place in like the always pan is a great example of that. I mean, there's not a gift guide that goes out without an always pan. Oh, they absolutely crushed it. Yeah. Uh, And also these are category defining brands, right? You know, like Brightland, our place, the first of that beginning trend, which obviously is very helpful going into those new categories. So to wrap up, what are some predictions, some PR brand founder predictions that you guys are thinking we're going to see some trends? We're zeroed in on the the space we live in, which is this commerce content piece. And I think it's, you know, I'm on the coming off the heels of a, a an affiliate marketing conference in New York and listening to some of like Vox and, and mm. Dot Dash and Red Ventures speak. And I just think it's the commerce content piece is going to take more and more ownership in, mm. in the media and PR landscape. And I think that, you know, dollars, marketing dollars, PR dollars that have, you know, in the past been spent on paid search or paid social uh, will still be spent there. But I just think uh, uh, the affiliate piece is going to yeah. become more and more important. And so I think it's going to continue to to be in the spotlight. Yeah, well said. I would say specifically for direct-to-consumer brands, and I don't want to end on a low note, it's a challenging time. Yeah. I think there's like a lot of like institutional pre- pressure. I think a lot of like, you know, when, when we were starting Ritual, it was like, oh, we're like D to C only. We're going to own the customer, you know, one to one relationship the whole way through. And now it's like you have to meet customers where they're at. You have to be in Walmart and mm-hmm. Target and Amazon. And, you know, I think that there's a diversification that's happening with D to C. There's also COVID boom, basically, which you know, it was really a crazy time because people were buying um, products online that they never would have before. You would buy an Olipop or like a sparkling water that normally you go into Sprouts or whatever your grocery store is and buy. So I think there was like this heyday of mm. a D2C boom that happened also in COVID. And now I think that's kind of, you know, flattening out yeah. as, as um, uh, customers are going back into retail. So I feel like there's also kind of a you know, the projections that you projected and like the third, the second year, third year, how don't many apply. Event, like yeah. don't apply anymore. Like yeah. it's a different landscape. And then there's the re- potential looming recession that they say is always coming. <laughs> I mean, it's hard economic times. So I think customers are spending more of their money on, you know, travel than they are on like consumer goods. There's yeah. just so many things happening in the, in the landscape. And I think we try to kind of, you know, outline all of that for our clients, not to mention like a lot of publishers just folding completely. Uh, it's crazy. Like, yeah. We talked about this yesterday. A client was like, oh, like, you know, have you followed up with, you know, this contact? And we're like, that contact is no longer. There's no contact now there. Yeah, they're <laughs> gone. For two months. It's done. Like, yeah. It's done. Yeah. So it's, it's, don't want to uh, end this way, but it's a hard I time. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, but I, I, it's very real talk, which I appreciate because also it's because no one's hitting these 
milestones that they put forth in, in the boom, v- ventures not investing. So yeah. people can't raise bursting. money. The it's, bubble, yeah, it's really rough out there you right have now. You to show profitability like ASAP. Immediately. And you, yeah. to get profitable, you need money. Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's really the catch-22. So many of the G2C brands are trying to figure out how to go in, in store. Retail and, all of a sudden is uh, the strategy. The, yeah, yeah. And no one gave a shit about retail. No one like, gave a shit. Like, they it were was like, like you turned your nose now. Yeah, you're like, like, absolutely oh, not. Now you're like dying to get into Costco. It's like, I know it is such a, it's such a major shift, but how fun to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) Tie a bow on it, Jacqueline. (laughs) I'm like, what am I going to say? We're making it sound so sexy. No, we're making it sound really sexy. No, listen, like, I think all of us have been doing this for a really long time. And I think we've uh, been through the highs and lows enough to know that they ebb and flow. And and there's like good times, bad times. And that's part of part of the joy of running your own business. But ladies, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell everyone where they can follow you and your businesses? LaruePR.com. We're on Instagram. I'm not super active personally. <laughs> Everyone go follow Jesse. <laughs> you want to see pictures of my dogs? And, uh, but yeah. Dreamday.la and thequalityedit.com. We have Instagram and TikTok and all the things. Yeah. Sign up for the Quality Edit newsletter. It's my favorite. Thank you. I love it. It's, it's so good. Thank you. I so discover good. so many brands yep. through That's there. nice. Thank you so awesome. much. Awesome. Well, thanks, thanks ladies. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Party. If you like what you heard, follow, leave a review, rate the pod, or slide into my DMs. Check out our membership program, Insiders, designed for go-getters and game changers like you. Sign up today at CreateCultivate.com. Follow us at Work Party and at Jacqueline R. Johnson on all platforms. And be sure to head to CreateCultivate.com to keep up with all the latest events, content, and community designed to help you level up your life and career. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.